Today, we're doing something very special. We're going to revisit the most popular episode we have ever done. It was first broadcast in October of 2020, but now, two years later, it's even more important than ever. It's all about one of the deadliest teachings in all of humanity, in all of human history. And unfortunately, it's a teaching that seems to have become normal today. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday? So I call you up and you call me down. Would it be okay? Well, hello and welcome to episode three, season one, episode three of the Freed Hearts podcast, changing the human conversation on love and inclusion. As a reminder, again, the music that you just listened to is our daughter, Hannah Cottrell, also known as Saint Sinner, our Grammy-nominated daughter, (laughs) Hannah Cottrell as Saint Sinner. And for more information on her music, go to Hey Saint Sinner. Dot com. Well, welcome. Again, we are, uh, we're so glad you're with us. If you have questions that you would like us to ask, topics that you would like us to discuss, comments that you would like us to know about this podcast, please email us at hello at just hello. That should be an Adele thing. Shouldn't yeah, I have Adele in the be. background? Yes. I have to pay for rights on that. We're not right. going to do that. Can't afford that. Um, hello at freedhearts.org. And we'll be, we would love to hear from you. So we're going to just get right into this. We did not introduce ourselves. This is episode three. Do they not know who we are? <laughs> you say your name. <laughs> <laughs> this is, my name is Robert Cottrell, and I'm the co-founder of Freed Hearts. And I'm here today, every day, with... Susan Cottrell. That's us. That's us. And she evidently has no title. She is... Also she the is, co-founder She of is Freed the co-founder, Hearts. acclaimed author, international speaker, TED Talk viral. You know, you know all that stuff. All that stuff. All that stuff. Today, we're talking about one of the two deadliest teachings in all of humanity. There, there's got to be some sort of music there, isn't there? <laughs> some sort of... <laughs> we need some... Dum, 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 dum. Right. Um, this teaching is, is responsible for some of history's deadliest torture and death from ethnic groups to religious groups to really any group it's aimed at, and it's rampant today. Yes. I'll give you a hint by way of a story. I was doing some research about something I was writing on marriage, and I found John Gottman of the Gottman Institute. He can observe a couple for 15 minutes and tell you with 90% accuracy if they'll be together in 15 years. And there's one thing he's watching for. Mm. That's the clue. Can you give me another hint? Okay. This deadly teaching is responsible for the annihilation of ethnic groups. It's responsible for the Holocaust, the Inquisition, the annihilation of religious groups, including my ancestors, the Waldensians and other early church reformers of the Great for Reformation all came from this deadly teaching. (laughs) (laughs) On that happy note, is there one final hint? Yes. This deadly teaching is responsible for the division, the polarization that we experience today that Pew Research says is the worst division in all of history. Do you know what the teaching is? Actually, I do. What is it? It's the teaching of contempt. That's right. That's exactly it. So, the word contempt, I looked it up, means to view someone or something as beneath you, beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving scorn. The word comes from to despise with intensive force, 
That's what contempt means. And that's what Gottman observed in those couples. When they engaged with each other, they didn't have to agree, of course. He gave them something not to agree about. But did they roll their eyes? Did they ignore what somebody, one of them said? Did they look at each other with contempt? That's what he was looking for. So the teaching of contempt is where you teach contempt about a particular group. Like, this group is less than, worthless, contemptible. These people are lazy. Those people are bad drivers. Those people are promiscuous. And those people are sinners. Those people are disgusting. Whatever group it is, it's that teaching that they are contemptuous. And if any group popped to mind when I read those examples, that is evidence of an internalized teaching of contempt. You know, and we all have that. That's yes. it's not we all have that because that's how to some level or another, we all have that. That's how we were raised, especially if you've come out of any kind of oppressive patriarchal controlling system like organized religion, like the evangelical Christian church, things like that. It's that us versus them. And the more we can have contempt for them, the better we feel about us. Yeah. Yeah. And I had that experience. Well, you know, we've all had that experience, but I remember when I was in seminary, this is when I noticed that experience. We all got to know each other pretty well. It was pretty small. And this one student would say hi to me by name. It was in, we were in a lot of classes together. And he said, hi, Susan, like daily. It took about, I don't know, a week or two before I actually registered that he was saying hi to me. And I'd say hi back, but this human being, and I I never said his name until like two weeks later. And I thought, what is the matter with you? And I realized he was from a race that I just don't have any history with. I feel horrible just saying that, but it's true. And we all have those blind spots like that. And I didn't treat him with contempt, but it's a teaching of contempt that flowed through that, that where he was not visible to me until he was. And suddenly I felt so, I, I don't know, ashamed of that, but I made it a point to say hello to him by name ever after. And I've been on the receiving end of this when I told my Bible study about Annie and they just went cold on me. Mm. And uh, I noted that another woman had shared about her son who had a DUI, just so many DUIs that he they, his license was removed and she had to drive him everywhere. So it was very inconvenient. And all the women were like, oh man, that must be so hard. They were empathizing with her. But when I mentioned that my daughter was bisexual, it was a different, different situation. And that was internalized contempt for LGBTQ. And believe me, they would have not have been able to tell you the difference. We don't see it. That's what I was going to, that's it. what was coming to mind to me as you were talking yeah. is that again, we, as long as we're in the us category, then we tend to have blinders on to anything else. And again, you're in this box, this box church, this box organized religion, this box belief. Mm-hmm. And you look around and everyone believes the same. Everyone watches the same channels and listens to the same programs and reads the same books. And you're us and it's your community. But as soon as there's this little wrinkle in there, it's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, they may be a them. And what comes out in those times, like you just described in 
almost like you in what in your reaction yeah. to your friend at seminary, yeah. but then also in others' reaction to you and your Bible study is mm-hmm. this: we don't know how to do that because all of a sudden our definition of what is us is shaking yeah. a little bit, you know. And sometimes it's just something that's unfamiliar. Here's the thing: when you want to make a change, I heard this not too long ago. What you need to do is make the unfamiliar familiar and make the familiar unfamiliar. Mm, Wow. Because that person represented something unfamiliar to me, so it didn't register. And my child, that was unfamiliar to them in any healthy way, and so they didn't register it. But we've got to open our eyes to those things. We've talked about the um, internalized homophobia, Mm -hmm. how in Western culture, men are raised to have a disdain, not just a dislike, but a disdain for homosexuals because yeah. it it really, I mean, as a man, what we're taught, spoken or not, aggressive or passive, we are taught that that somehow threatens our masculinity, threatens who we are as men. So, there's this internalized homophobia. Yeah, I don't think any of us, as we were in that box, as we were in the evangelical church before our child came out, we would not have thought of ourselves yeah. as being contemptuous towards someone else or having these feelings. They only come up when they come up. But the good thing is, and I know this may be uncomfortable, I know there may be those of you out there listening, oh, well, I don't have that. I'm not that way. But press into that, if you would, yes. because I know it can be scary and we can kind of get defensive a bit. But what we found as we pressed into these things that were revealed that were part of us and our thinking, those were replaced with things that we never could have imagined, something more glorious and better than we ever could have imagined. You know what I mean? And we all have them. Make no mistake, we all have them. Right now, the way we're talking about teaching of contempt, we're in a wading pool. But just over the edge there is the ocean, and that's where we could go if we started talking about the Holocaust, which was only made possible by teaching of contempt, but not just the Holocaust, all the Jewish extermination other than that, too, the history of oppression. Blacks, yeah, yeah, we had ended slavery however many years ago, but the teaching of contempt has kept racism alive. Now, sorry, because it's like we're playing hardball today without a glove, <laughs> and it, it feels scary Ouch. to hear all that. And it's pretty early in the series, I guess, to get this heavy. But this is the heart of the division we're experiencing. And women, do I need to go into contempt against women and a contempt against children that we send them into school to be bullied by the same bullies every day and we don't stop it? I mean, that's just one tiny example. So, contemptuous teachings of contempt are systemic and cultural, and you cannot avoid them. You can only recognize them, become alert, become awoke to them, and then start acting outside of that teaching. And the, yeah, the insidious nature of this is that when you developed contempt for a people group, a person, a... When it is internalized into you, let's say. Right, right. And backed up, so to speak, backed up by God, or the teaching of your church, that somehow that's being holding that position of contempt towards another group 
somehow matches with your faith, um, yes. it certainly justifies all of the things we talk all about. All of the things we talk about. What from, we've seen over history. From the murders to the lynchings to everything that's going on again to now. gas chambers, all of it. Yeah, to gas chambers, to even as we're looking at the situations that are coming up now and these divisions that we have. It, and those teachings get in your soul and they last for generations. They don't just disappear. We didn't just end slavery and now everybody's fine. There's generational teachings that continue. I was talking to a close family member and I made the mistake. This is somebody I grew up with. And I made the mistake of answering her question about the Black Lives Matter protests. And she said, well, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. I was aghast because what she was saying was she was verbalizing a teaching of contempt that black people don't want to work. And that's why. It's so hard for them. That's their problem. She didn't realize she had internalized this teaching that had gone before her. That's what the trouble with the teaching of contempt is. You internalize it without examination before you even know you have it. So it's very, very dangerous. And the only thing you can do is become alert to it and counter it and try to pull it out from the culture, which is what so many people are working to do. That's what all this work is where people are trying to make justice happen. We think, we love to think we're independent decision makers, like we're a self-made person, but that is so naive. It's so naive. Well, and what happens here, it's like, well, but I'm not black and I'm not Jewish and I'm not this, and you, but you find yourself in the us category and then all of a sudden, you're the ones on the receiving end of the contempt. Again, as your child comes out or you come out of the closet as LGBTQIA and, or you come out as having a gay child. And all of a sudden, you're on the receiving end of that yeah. kind of exclusion. Yeah. And it's incredibly painful, and yeah. it, but it can be eye-opening as well. And damaging. And, and you think people feel this way across everywhere in my church. God must feel this way. So it's really scary. It's really devastating. Yeah. But why in the world, why this disproportionate response to LGBTQ? I was thinking about this because the word homosexuality wasn't even in the Bible and no equivalent word either until 1946 when it was added to the Bible. There's a movie coming out about that. Yeah, there's a film coming out we want to give a shout out to called 1946. Or if you're listening to this down the road, go back and look for it. It's called 1946. And it's the story of how these words, a couple of different words were kind of smushed together that had nothing to do with loving, consensual, same-sex relationships. and, and, And what came out of that translation effort, that editing effort at that time was the word homosexual. And that message was added in there. Yeah. And then in 1979, Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson and others launched the moral majority. Some of you remember that. And it was a direct attack on homosexuality. And it was a direct grab for political gain. And that's where the, the right movement, you know, the religious right, really stepped in for a grab on political power. Yeah. And this uh, this teaching of, of contempt, our, we jumped kind of into the LGBTQ thing right away, but that's our story. That's our personal experience. That's where right. our focus is. But as we've said many times, this it's a deeper issue, and it reveals 
deeper issues. And this teaching of contempt uh, has gone back all the way. Just, I mean, you go back as far as you want on this too. And if you look at all the atrocities, all the tragedies, all the horrible things that have happened over time, it's based on this teaching of contempt. A group yes. of people said, we are justified because of our contempt for this other group of people. Yeah. It justifies this horrible thing we have done to them or that we're about to do to them. In our experience, and a lot of you out there who are listening to us now have the same experience, it's related to either being part of the LGBTQ community or it's having an LGBTQ loved one or family member. And the impact of that, the impact of this faith-based family rejection is just devastating. Yeah, It's just devastating. When 25% of all LGBTQ homeless youth became homeless on the very same day they came out to Christian parents. How does that happen? How it, does ha that happen? it happens from a teaching of contempt that a parent could say, oh, you're gay? Then get out of the house. I'm going to dump all your stuff on the front lawn. I'm going to set it on fire. These are real real stories here. Yes. I'm going to send black roses to your workplace because you're now dead to me. And the only way that can happen, I mean, don't we, if we get an email that's difficult, we like give it a day or two, give it a week. But to throw your child out that day means you had to be preconditioned to hate it so much that without even thinking you would throw your child out. That's a teaching of contempt that has preceded your child's coming out. And what follows that to the person on the receiving end of that is contempt for ourselves, for themselves. Yeah. And that leads to depression and self-harm and substance abuse and suicide. And all these things, again, are a direct outcome, a direct result of this faith-based family rejection that's based on this teaching of contempt. I want to give a little gift right here. If you are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, whatever it is, if you have internalized your own queer phobia, transphobia, all of that, forgot the other word, phobia, that that was a learned response on your part. You weren't tiny discovering things and then hating yourself for it. That was a learned response and it can be unlearned. I want you to know you were not born to be at odds with yourself. You were born to be at peace with yourself and to be at peace with God, however you define God, not at odds. So that can all be unlearned and relearned, and that's the work we do. So I want you yeah. to be at peace about that and take that as a gift that you don't have to live in internalized teaching of contempt that was given yeah. to you. You didn't ask for it, and you don't deserve it. You're worthy. You matter. You belong. You are beloved. Any thought or teaching other than that is a lie. Yes, that's right. Um, so this kind of teaching shows up on a lot of different levels. We, we've talked about individuals, groups, systems. It's, yeah. it's systemic to just the self-talk that we have, the ways we interact with other individuals. And it's really to dehumanize, to disrespect, to treat someone as them, as as less than us, to other somebody, yeah. to marginalize someone as a second-class citizen, that they can then easily become expendable, expendable in your family, expendable in your community, expendable in society. And I don't think you can beat somebody to a pulp that you didn't have contempt for. 
if you have to view them as less than human, less than you, certainly, to be able to do the things that people do to each other, to treat them inhumanely, you have to see them as not human. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that some people say, oh, course i would never do that but that's where microaggressions come in that's that's right that's right and you would you know if you haven't experienced receiving microaggressions i mean i still remember years ago going in to get some oil for the car at the car shop he said what kind i said i think it's 40 weight i was debating if it was 40 or 30 weight and he said what kind of car do you have blue it was just he was so Oh my god. Disgusting to me. He never would have said that to a man. I swear to you, he never would have said it to a man. But that's just a microaggression. And if he were asked about that later, he'd say, I didn't disrespect her. No way I did because we it's invisible right. to us. That's right. It's yeah. become so common, so so tolerated. Yes. Our lack of tolerance for each other has become so tolerated that we don't see those. We and it, it happens when you look in the mirror and you say, oh, my stomach is not as flat as it could be. Oh, gosh, I wear, my ears were small or whatever it is. Those are microaggressions against yourself that you learned. They didn't come from within you. They were put into you. And we talk about changing the human conversation on love and inclusion. But the reason that we're talking about this is because we want each of us my deepest hope for my wife is that mm-hmm. she loves herself and sees herself for the imperfectly perfect person that she is, which will help bring out everything that's in her and help her fly and achieve everything that she can achieve. And that's our hope for this is that yes. it is for you listening is that you will love yourself and realize how loved and beloved you are, which really is one of the first steps to showing that kind of love and acceptance and inclusion to somebody else. Yes, yes. You bring tears to my eyes and back at you. Oh, That's what we deserve as human beings, isn't it? To be seen and loved for who we are. Well, that's some deep stuff there. So let's talk about, (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about, you know, let's, what, uh, so what's the solution to this teaching of contempt? What do we do? Well, we have to open our eyes to it, recognize what it means, a teaching of contempt. And instead of just letting something roll off of us, we have to recognize it and see it. And if you've ever heard of an ad hominem attack, they talk about it in debate, no ad hominem attacks. It means attacking the person, at the person is what it means. That's what a teaching of contempt is. It's not the idea they're saying you're attacking them as a person. Because this is not about agreeing. There are plenty of things you and I disagree about. But we never attack each other over it. And that's where the contempt flares up. You know, that that kid's gay. I'm going to beat him up. Well, where did you get from one step to the next? Yeah. Being gay doesn't mean you beat him up. You know, and people are saying, I don't know why they have to march in the streets about this. Well, that's because you don't understand the contempt put toward a particular group. One kid was working in a store and he asked the people to put a mask on, which was his job. And it was required by the state he lived in, and they beat him up. Adults beat this kid up for asking them to wear a mask. What happened? What? Why is that something that we have come to in this country? Well, it's a teaching of contempt all the way around that has created that climate. Yeah, I think we need to open each of us, I think, and I don't want to preach in this by any means because I'm 
saying it to myself as, as much as to anybody, but I need to open my box on this and understand that if I think, well, I don't understand this. I don't feel that way. I don't have that. I don't have that kind of contempt. I'm not a racist. I'm not sexist. I, yeah, I, I'm not a sexist. That's probably not a good place to start. I need to open my box and say, where am I that? Where? Well, what is it? Let's, let's even start with what does it mean to be racist or sexist or homophobic? What does that look like? Yeah. Take ourselves out of it for a minute and look at that and let it kind of emerge. And the best way to do that is to listen to stories, yes, yes. is to go on the internet. That's what I did at the beginning. And I read some stories by some trans people and the pain of how they'd been treated aside from anything else was just devastating. And they said, they're doing this. They're treating us this way in God's name is how, what they're saying. And I thought, okay, that's the place to start. What does this mean? What does it look like? Yeah. And then recognize where those things tweak you. If you see um, the trans person reading to kids in the library and it makes you a little disgusted, which I had a comment back from a family member like that. Why? What teaching of contempt have you internalized that brings up that? Because remember, people are getting, as Gottman showed us, people are getting divorced because of contempt. People are getting murdered because of contempt. And people are committing suicide because of contempt. You know, if you can recognize where that is in you, you've done a lot. And if you are, this is a tender part now. If you have internalized or where you have internalized teaching of contempt about yourself, that's a place to really recognize it and say, I, I did not hate myself, this part of myself, whatever, naturally, I learned it. And give yourself so much grace on that and so much leeway and peace. You deserve that. You deserve to love yourself and you deserve to love the people around you and not be sucked into a false narrative of contempt that if you hadn't been conditioned with it, you wouldn't even believe it, you yeah. know? So, that's your gift. And how we can love each other, our greatest purpose in life, the reason we're here, how can we fulfill that if we have contempt for each other? We can't even express our love for each other if we have contempt. So, go in and find out where that is and find out what the stories are and recognize it in the culture. Become attuned to it like I became attuned to my classmate. Suddenly, I recognized him, and I said hello by name thereafter. Recognize contempt in that way. That's what I was just going to say, is to <laughs> tune, tune your radar to any, and on an issue as deep and as ingrained and as systemic as this, it's almost too big to deal with. It's too big to analyze. It's too big to, quote, try to figure out. But a great place to start is to tune your radar to any thought or conversation that you're hearing about or thought that you're having that even smacks of an us versus them that yeah. justifies any kind of marginalization or inhumane or oppression of yourself or of another person and a group yeah group or group and tune your radar to it just recognize that so when that happens, a little bell goes off and you go, oh, hmm, I need to press into that. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say about yeah. this teaching of contempt because it is, like we said, it's one of the one of the most deadly and dangerous teachings in all of history. And it's part of what it's at the root of what 
makes us unloving and exclusive. And we want to change that conversation on love and inclusion. And that's why we're here. We want to wrap it up today by, again, thanking you so much for listening again. Share this if you'd like. Again, don't forget to email us if you have questions. It's hello at freedhearts.org. And thanks for listening. And until next time, don't forget, you are beloved and above all else, love. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday? So I call you up and you call me down. Would it be okay? You've been listening to the Freed Hearts Podcast. We have extensive resources and vibrant community for you at www.freedhearts.org. Just come say hello. And if you have questions or issues or comments about the podcast, things you'd like us to talk about, reach out to us at podcast at freedhearts.org. The music is provided by Hannah Cottrell, our daughter, the Grammy-nominated Saint Sinner. And you can find out more about her at heystsinner.org. Please share this, subscribe, and follow on your favorite platform. And thanks for listening.